0: Clean cut, but morally corrupt, it's forwards-backwards podcast, not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe, and not from the Gimme Some Truth Studios. This week we discuss Keith Ponywa's footballing genius, forwards new forward, and maybe, just maybe, start doing some baseless playoff speculation. As always, I'm joined by the Giannis Tamai Thanasis, Kyle Carr. Dan Fallon is currently running like an antelope out of control. Kyle, with Manchester City seemingly in need of a center forward. And with Daniel Levy refusing to consider offers for Harry Kane, does Pep Guardiola put in an offer for the striker of the moment, Josiah Trimmingham?
1: All all I'm going to say is Manchester City played yesterday, didn't score a goal, didn't get anything from their false nine. I think they put Fernand Torres there. He didn't do the job. Gabriel Jesus, a natural striker, is not good enough to start. I am just saying, like, I would go with the guy that has recently, in one start, gotten one goal. I could see why Pep Guardiola would want to throw 150 million to Ford Madison for Josiah Trimingham.
0: And I don't think we're particular about the currency that the 150 million comes in. It could be US dollars, it could be euros, it could be pounds. We're fine with 150 million in any of the, those. And, you know, for Josiah, probably a, a significant pay rise, rise, as they say in the UK.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I I feel like if he had the choice to make you know three four hundred thousand dollars a week, he might take that. He might take that.
0: I, I mean, I I I don't know. He doesn't, you know, strike me as a particular greedy guy. But I would say three hundred to four hundred thousand
1: would be a pretty good, you know. I'd take it weekly. You know, yeah, I think he's one of those where he's thinking for my family. I could do that. Yeah. For my family.
0: Like you, you know, he has a newborn, maybe, you know, wants to help out the newborn, set up the newborn. I'm sure if another generational
1: wealth right there. So. I'm
0: sure if a rival podcast came through with even three or $400 a week for you, Kyle, you'd be like, uh, as the Irish say, sayonara.
1: I'd have to think about it. It depends on how much I have to work. Cause that is, that's kind of the nice thing here. You know, I, it's a very flexible schedule.
0: Yeah, I mean, we are a family-friendly podcast, uh, you know. And and Desmond, who had his first day of daycare today, you're telling me was is currently chilling with you as well. I don't know if a you know po- podcast, a more professional podcast, would allow that that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like it's kind of hard to just have a podcast where you can have a newborn in your arms and just be able to talk as well. It, very few allow that.
0: I, you know, I think it's it's a, a little bit different. Uh, we do have a midweek match uh, this week against Toronto FC2 um, and Forward Madison doing a Canada pack. Uh, so you can get your Canadian tuxedo on if you want with the Forward Madison denim shirt that is available if you purchase a ticket. But, uh, you know, instead, uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about Forward Madison's Two one victory over South Georgia Tormenta, another one of these bird teams. Uh, you know they're in Statesboro, Georgia. I think Statesboro Tormenta would be a much better uh, name uh, than South Georgia, but you know they're trying to market to as many people as they can. Yeah, I feel uh, like when you
1: say South Georgia, then at least it's like I know where that could be. It's not, and the, all you know is it's not Atlanta, and that's all you can really <laughs> get from it.
0: <laughs> um, says. Uh, The the uh, two goals, by the way, in this match, uh, one from as we mentioned, Josiah Trimmingham, the other, the second on the year from from Suco, Justin Suco, were the first multi-goal game for forward Madison since June twenty third back long ago just near uh the summer solstice so oh christ uh, yeah (laughs) we've been suffering through a lot of one goal performances for forward madison also first win
1: since end of june uh
0: you know it's uh, i think we had a win in there didn't we We, where uh uh we had a one, one nil win um
1: I think that was the last one against Revs 2. Like, end of, I thought it was end of June. It was like a 1 0. Maybe I could be wrong. Maybe I'm missing a game.
0: Uh, I, I'm looking through here. Yeah. So, June 30th was the, the Revs 2 win. And then we had the North Texas loss. Then we had draw, 1 1 draw, yep. 1 1 draw. Yep. And uh, postponed match. And then 2 1 win. So, um, you know, a, a barren stretch there as we were 1 one and three. We have seven draws so far this year, which I think uh, matches our ter- total from last year. Um, but, you know, as we'll talk about uh, kind of our three points tonight, did we uh, perhaps turn a corner? Um, but the first thing we want to talk about uh, Keith Ponywa's footballing genius Three five two formation came out early in the year when we saw forward against uh, 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 Chicago Fire, Uh, It was actually the result of of a little bit of a positioning cover, but it looked like forward had played with three across the back. And we thought maybe this is a formation change. Are we going to go to to three across the back? If you remember, uh, Neil Halvati called me an idiot uh, for even suggesting this. And now, oh, how the how the tables have turned Uh, and, you know, uh, they roll out. It with a 3-5-2. Um, so, Kyle, uh, anything you noticed about this this formation change? Obviously, the big thing being Josiah moved up front with Jake Keegan.
1: Well, I was going to say, it uh, looks like Neil either was lying to us the whole time or, you know, this was a sudden change. Um, I don't know which one, but it seems like... At least with Josiah being striker, because I think in the UW-Madison friendly, they had him listed as a striker in the starting lineup. So then it was kind of like, a, okay, is this just because it's a friendly and we want to keep fresh leg, you know, not play key and not play food sound or get like, just keep the forwards healthy and just throw Josiah up there. We have seen last year, he can put in a good ball. Like we saw the assist for Paulo. We saw the near goal. I think there was a time where he hit the crossbar like he has the capability we saw it last year but we kind of figured it's more of a maybe it was a you don't really do that in a game in a league game you can do it in a friendly sure maybe in a inter squad scrimmage uh as well but no he goes in he starts up top and i'm just going to say the goalie scored was a very great run you know for some, someone in the number 9 position you see that kind of run and that is a very impressive run to make and a very good finish as well. It wasn't the, it wasn't like a tap in. It was, he had to get a good angle on it. He had to get a good touch on it, especially when he is cutting across the face of the goal to get a step. He had, it was a very impressive goal for someone to score even more so when it's someone that you would think is more of a natural center defense, mid or center back.
0: And, you know, the other thing on that goal is the assist was provided by Jake Keegan and, uh, as, as uh, you know, intern trial trialist uh, Kuba Shishastaniak noted on Twitter, all-time great goal celebration from uh, uh, Josiah with the headbutt on the yes. corner flag. Um, and then Jay Keegan followed that up with a, a good swift kick to the corner flag. Corner flag took a little bit of abuse there.
1: It, um, it, it It took a beating, but it was worth it. But, yeah, the other thing with the three in the back is we had seen – at times especially in the second half where pato would drift more in so it would become more of a three in the back and Giro would be a little bit further up and the gap would to kind of be more ha- handling more everything out wide so we've kind of seen them i don't know if it's intentionally or just naturally go into a three in the back so now that this was a solid we know this is a three in the back it caught me off guard when i saw the lineup because i was like okay you got josiah you got gustavo you got turbo okay there's Eric as well. So are they do like, is it a back three of Josiah Turbo and Gustavo? Is Eric going to drop back? And then if so, where's Josiah? It was very interesting when you see the lineup come out. I was not sure how it was going to be set up because then my other thought was, okay, which one of these guys is playing wing back? <laughs> because I don't know if I trust. I, I mean. Putting Josiah out and wing back, sure, like maybe Gustavo, but I wouldn't I don't know if that's really the most ideal situation. It seems like they're all pretty good centrally. So to see Josiah up top, I was like, oh, okay. This is kind of cool. And yeah, it worked out well. And it seemed as though Jake was still getting a lot of the attention, which allowed Josiah to kind of just float in and around.
0: Yeah, and and you know, you you brought up something as well that I noticed in in watching the match, sometimes with Pato sort of drifting more centrally and the, and they had encouraged that, we lost a little bit of width. And I think, you know, with uh, Gebhardt and Gomez out wide, we really maintained that width pretty well. Um, and and I think that kept the field bigger and helped. And then the other thing with, with Pato drifting in is it would crowd things up a little bit for Malloy. And what we saw is Malloy had a lot of space to operate. Um, they were, you know, so it looked like, um you know the, that uh 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 south georgia came out with a 3-4-3 which can be a difficult formation to deal with a little bit right because you may you know if they're if they're playing in a diamond in the midfield they have a lot of guys in the midfield that looked like actually they were a little bit more spread across it looked like the the centrality of their uh, uh players was easily dealt with by three center backs it didn't look like they were getting a lot of width across that front front line so our you know, back three were able to keep that uh, contained. So tactically against South Georgia as well, it worked, you know, fairly well and gave us that width. Um, I think, you know, related to that, is this a change you foresee us, you know, maintaining going forward? Is this a change that maybe we we drop in to to surprise teams? Um, I, I like having that little bit of extra flexibility there.
1: Yeah, and it was kind of nice. I mean, with a team like Tormento, you kind of no with michelotto he's going to drift everywhere he he might play a little bit centrally he might play out wide he might be up top like michelotto's just that kind of guy where he's going to float around and then if you can just relatively keep track of where he is a lot of tormentas offense kind of flows through him so if you can keep him contained which they did and they did a really good job of i mean he still got his penalty goal but with that flexibility it i think with having suko kind of being more of a sit, not more of an 8 kind of bouncing around You know, Chino Perez kind of also doing the same thing. You have those two doing that. And then you could still have Malloy just sit back and kind of just orchestrate everything from there. And then it's you know, Gustavo would every once in a while pop up wide. And then you know Eric Leonard can step up if needed. It was kind of helpful that with that flexibility and with the tracking back that Gomez and Gebhardt had, it really allowed them to just go and It allowed Malloy to do his thing, and I think that was something that caused issues before. As you mentioned, everything was going really narrow. At least with this, you had threats out wide that you couldn't simply ignore, and it kind of seemed like, at least at the time, that was the intent. If you look at the heat maps with Gomez and Gebhardt, it is all wide. They there was not a lot of central touches for them, which is encouraging because then it means they're you know tactically they're staying disciplined, staying out wide, keeping that threat out wide for them. And we can talk about it with Suko's goal. It's because of that width that allowed Gustavo to put that cross in In general. But yeah, I think it was just, it was good to see those two have the responsibilities and tracking back when needed to. It allows Suko and Chino Perez to kind of just run everywhere in the middle. And then it just allows Malloy to just sit back and do what he does best.
0: Yeah, with with, you know, the midfielders there and and I'm going to uh, come back as well to another point you made with the midfielders there with, you know, both Keegan and uh, Josiah were very, very central. They were very close to each other. They were kind of occupying that that one center back that that, you know, in, in the middle of that three, four, three. And that makes it very easy. That gives you lanes for Suko and then Jepsen and then um, as well. Uh, uh, Perez to slot into the the sort of gaps between those, you know, three backs, um, which was very helpful. And then the outside, you know, keeping that width and not allowing those, you know, three backs to get very, very tight, which is something that I think uh, Forward Madison was able to do. Because if you look at the heat map for for South Georgia, they, they were more congregated and you can keep The three backs there, I think as well, you highlighted something that the the back three did very well with Micheletta is, you know, he likes to drift and drop and move. And so with the back three allowed as well is you could have a guy kind of step up on him. And then the other two could adjust and, and fill that space behind. And so there was always somebody who could move up and, and step up and, and was keeping an eye, whether that was also Malloy dropping deep or a Leonard or a Fernandez, you know, coming, stepping out of the defense. You still had good cover for them in those situations. Whereas if you're playing two center backs, one of them steps all of a sudden you've got one, you know, central back with no cover. So I think, you know, from that perspective, it worked very well. And it, it should be highlighted, yeah, that uh, in addition to kind of keeping the width on the, on the attack, Gebhard and, and Gomez uh, did a, a great job of tracking back as well and, and really staying with those outside midfielders in the four for uh, uh, for South Georgia. Obviously, this was also a response a little bit to an injury that, uh, you know, Giro – uh, sustained in the, the opening bit against, uh, Union Omaha. And, you know, when you, when I was looking at the team at the beginning of the season, I think, you know, if we stay with this, this three Giro is an an ideal player as well to get forward outside and play in that more wing back role. I was surprised they didn't go with, uh, Christian Diaz though the, from what I had heard, you know, tactically they felt better with, with these two guys. I think as well, you know, they were a little bit concerned about not getting goals. As we said, it's been over, you know, uh, a month since we've had two goals. So they wanted two attacking players maybe to take advantage of the the back three defensive stability and get a, a few more guys going forward. So all in all, it, it worked out, um, you know, uh, other than the penalty and a couple of good stops from, from Brino, I, I thought defensively we looked pretty strong overall. Um, and that actually raises the question of, you know, the, the man of the matches voted on by the fans was Josiah Trimingham, uh, probably because of the the unique goal. He, he kissed the badge and uh, everybody was very excited. But is that who you thought your your kind of man of the match was?
1: I feel like it's tough to just pick one. I mean, Josiah gets the goal. That's huge. Keegan getting an assist. That's huge. I, I think you could – I would maybe lean towards Gustavo – just because between the defensive responsibilities and the assist that he put in, that was an amazing cross. I while I was Capboy, I kind of glanced back and I saw the ball come in. And I th- and Josiah was right there. So I thought, okay, Josiah's gonna get ahead on it. And then I saw Suko just like sneaking in and Suko got ahead on it. I was like, okay, that I didn't think it was going in. I it looked like one of those where it didn't have the power to, you know, get past it, but it had the placement. And I think just the cross that Gustavo put in. It was impressive, and when you're able to more or less essentially keep a clean sheet, I mean, he's, it was not him that conceded the penalty overall. They still they didn't allow too too many chances, and the ones that they did, Brino was able to save, so I think I would lean towards Gustavo, but I have no issues with Sosaigan yet. I know people are saying Phil Brino. I, I feel like you could have picked anyone, pretty much anyone for that starting 11, and it would have been a fair choice. It was, wow. it was a good team performance, but I'm leaning towards Gustavo.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think you could also make the case that uh, Justin Succo, you know, with a goal, really played very well in that in that you know first half. Really, you know, controlled the midfield, got the second goal, did quite a bit. In fact, uh, you know, Suko's second goal in in two games as he also got one in that friendly against uh, the university of Wisconsin, Madison. So I think overall, you know, a, a fairly strong performance from Suko and then, you know, uh, something that bears mentioning uh, and in honor of our, you know, uh, colleague Dan Fallon, who we're not quite even sure what state he's currently in um, you know uh, highest rated player in USL league one this season. Uh, is in fact, Aaron Molloy. And I thought he did a great job of kind of pulling the strings and organizing things and also, you know, stepping in and, and providing some some sort of timely interceptions as as need arose. So I thought overall a, a, a very strong performance from, from him as well. And actually one of our, you know, we've been lamenting a little bit and, and we can talk about this, our midfield has been a little bit absent. It seems like we signed somebody and put them right into the midfield. And if, uh, if I'm being honest, if they're both healthy, I think Suko and Jepsen right now with, uh, you know, Malloy may be our best midfield three setup. Um, they seem to hold the position. Well, they seem to uh, maintain possession. Well, and then also spring forward, you know, when we intercept a pass quite well together as well. So, I'm you know, uh, I'm open to suggestions, but I, I, I think maybe that's our strongest midfield three. It may not give us the most creativity, but I think it, in terms of the balance and and you know the positioning of the the attack and the transition from a defense to attack, maybe our strongest midfield three right now.
1: I was going to say it's the transitions from defense to going into attack that I think is why that three makes the most sense. And we saw at the beginning of the season, that was the three midfield three. That was really doing the job and getting all the results. And, you know, I think with Suko, it's like his ability to pop in the box is super helpful. And as we saw in the goal uh, against Tormento and we saw earlier against Omaha, his ability to just pop in when he needs to is helpful. And then you have, you know, with Jepsen, he's kind of more – he's kind of more just able to get the, he's kind of the safe choice when you need to distribute. He can put in the defensive work. He's kind of around, he can put in the pass, as we saw. I think he was the one that gave Zuko the assist against Omaha. Like he can also put in the ball. And with those two kind of floating around, it just allows Malloy to focus on, you know, let me stay back. Let me pick out the passes and let me see what's in front of me as well. So I think with that midfield, it's been kind of the one that it seems as though going into more of the attacking more, what Carl wants to do that seems to be the three that worked the best. You know, obviously with Christian Ricas, you can swap out. I feel like Jepson's the one where you can kind of rotate uh, out of those three. Jepson's kind of the one that seems to be rotating the most, whether it's Christian Ricas, whether it's Chino Perez, you know, we saw Carlos Gomez float in there every once in a while. Um, So we, we saw Eric Leonard maybe filling that role. So I think it's kind of that midfield three makes most sense. And, you know, It depends on what they do with Carlos Gomez as well. If they want to keep him out wide, if they want to have him more as an attacker, that gives you more of those options as well. And depending on how these new signings go, um, I think one of them was a midfielder as well. I don't know if he's going to get thrown in. I don't know what's going to happen there. But yeah, I would agree that when healthy, that's probably the midfield three that seems to bring the most results and give the style of play that Carl's looking for.
0: Yeah. And I think as well, if you're, you know, and I think we were more successful with Pato pushing up wide than, than tucking into the midfield. You know, you can understand if you're, if you're working with a a Gomez and trying to get an attacker forward a little bit more um, why you might, you know, want uh, Pato drifting in, but I think it affected our shape and our ability to kind of go forward. Um, We didn't, we lost some of that width with Pato tucking in, um with Gomez you know the goal was to get him maybe more advanced and playing right off of the single striker but we lost some of that width on the right hand side um i also think you know with Giro bombing forward as a sort of chaos agent he sometimes can get caught and so if you have two more steady uh, deep lying, holding their their shape midfielders, you can cover and protect yourself on the counterattack a little bit better, which I think we sometimes saw ourselves being susceptible to, you know, teams attacking back into that space that Giro had, had occupied, or if you know Pato was bombing down. So I I, I think when we were su- the successful early in the year, we saw a lot more of that that width being there, and so hopefully either with the three five two. Or maybe a return to to getting, you know, Pato out wide and getting Suco and, and Jepsen in there and holding that shape, we might might see a little bit more, uh, you know, success. Keegan is great on a cross if we're sliding Trimmingham up top, or as we've seen, Suko you know, blasting through Jepsen, blasting through, you know, that that works really well, you know, on that delayed on that second run. So that raises the question: three points. Are you convinced? Uh, and you have the, the sort of points per game standings. You know, we are I think you, you mentioned uh, tied for third, probably technically fourth because we're tied with North Texas in the points per game standings. You know, we've still played the fewest games, especially now that, uh, you know, the Omaha game got suspended. Um, where where do we sit in the, the overall picture in terms of the points per game standings?
1: Yeah, points per game. Omaha's first. Um, They got two points per game. Chattanooga's second with 1.87. So they're kind of the clear top two at the moment. And then there's kind of a a gap. And that's where Fort Madison and North Texas are both tied. They each have 22 points on 15 games played. So 1.47 points per game. And then there's still a decent gap with them and Revs 2, who sit, I guess, technically fifth. Uh, with 1.14, and then Greenville. Greenville was the one that shocked me because they were sitting second or third for a while, and lately they've lost, I think, back-to-back games. So they're only down to 1.41, and that's the last playoff spot. And then after that, it's uh, TFC2, who are sitting at 1.35. So there's – Fort Madison still got a decent cushion, at least per points per game, on the playoff spot. So it's looking good there. So now it's a matter of with this week coming up – you got Toronto and you got North Texas. If you can get at least four points off of them and ideally you get a win against North Texas, you're looking pretty good at getting third place. I mean, obviously there's still a lot of games to be played, but considering they've played only 15 games, um, Omaha and Chattanooga and North Texas are the only ones that's done 15. So at least you can catch up to the other team. So while it may look like right now in the standings, Ford Madison still look on the outside looking in, they still have four games on Tormenta. They have three games on Fort Lauderdale who they're even with. They got a, they got two games on Greenville, two games on Toronto. They' so they can make some moves if they can pick up some wins. and this was prop this is probably the time they have to do it. given the schedule, you know, you I mean, after the Omaha game, it was like, okay, you don't have to deal with Omaha anymore for the rest of the season uh chattanooga you're not dealing with until later i think the last game of the season so other than you know other than those two teams you're not every other team you can you're either below on the table or you're right around so this is the time to make some moves and like i said i think they have to get at least four points minimum from these two games upcoming this week so long story short they're looking good points per game if they can get, get some wins and they are looking pretty good, at least hosting a playoff game, which would be huge
0: there. Yeah. They, these are both home games. Um, Toronto FC, you could even call the classic six pointer, you know, in that you're, you're basically going against one of the teams that you're a direct kind of head to head, you know, they're, they're just behind forward in the, you know, points per game table. If, you know, we can, you know, kind of take some points. What's really interesting. If, if you look at this table, only Chattanooga and Union Omaha have more than have picked up more than fifty percent of their available points. Um, you know Chattanooga has forty five points available to them; they've picked up uh, you know twenty eight. Union Omaha has forty five points available to them; they've picked up thirty. Uh, and then Greenville, you know, is at twenty four points, but have you know they played seventeen? That's out of a possible fifty one. Um, and so they're you know the overall. There's a lot of, you know, you might call it, uh, you know, parody. You might call it mediocrity uh, in this league right now. But, you know, even, you know, Union Omaha is eight points ahead of, of forward in the table. Their level on games played. Chattanooga six points ahead. So, you know, there are 13 matches to play. The, a home playoff match is not out of the question a, uh, uh, you know, a challenge for one of the two Top two spots, especially if we get our act together, and you know, six pointer against Union Omaha in that you know makeup game, uh, you know that those aren't out of the question. Um, the the you know thing is um, is this form that we're seeing here. Are we convinced? Do we think forward Madison can sustain it in back to back matches? Because we have not had, you know, we have not had uh, great. What you might call turnaround in our, our you know back to back matches, um, so far the this you know season. If you look, you know we have not uh, won back to back games uh, since May. S- since May, and when we won the, three in a row, we won three in a row. Um, you know, last time we we won a match, uh, we then went and got absolutely worked by North Texas on July tenth. Um, so. I think that's a, a big point. Are we going to sustain it to, to some extent? Are we going to, you know, take this home stretch stretch where we have Toronto and North Texas, both kind of big games for the standings. Then you have North Carolina as well. Uh, that one's on the road, but North Carolina is dead last. They've been, uh, I think, pretty close to garbage all year. We might, we might say no, uh, you know, not uh casting aspersions on our good friends the dead whales, but I think in their you know darker moments they would also confess they've been garbage. So you have important games for the standings, you have important games for uh that were at home. And then of course on September one, you have a game that you know you're you'll be building up your nervousness for. Uh, well in advance, the old Henny Darby. Um, but <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I guess, Kyle, do you think, you know, that four points is po- not, is it possible? It's everything's possible. Is it probable? We'll say
1: I'll lean towards. Yes. Only because with both of these teams, they've been very inconsistent. You know, I don't like one week, North Texas is struggling and losing. And the other week there's dropping four goals on someone they're a very inconsistent team. They, they dropped
0: the four goals on us, Kyle.
1: Yes. And they also did a North Carolina recently. So, yeah. you know, it's definitely interesting to see which North Texas shows up. Like I said, they, they've, in their last five games, they've gotten it together. You know, they haven't lost in their last five, but they also – I mean, two of them. I mean, one was at home, a draw against Chattanooga that they were winning the majority of the game, and then they lost a late goal. And the other was Omaha on the road. So, you know, yes, they've been looking good their last five games, but if you go right before those five games, they had a stretch where they're struggling. They lost to Richmond. They lost to Revs 2, allowing six goals, both like six goals total. And then they drew against Tucson, and Tucson also is not a great team. So they've. They are struggling. They're inconsistent. I don't know how, and obviously, North is not the same team when they play on the road as they are at home. So that's. I think that one is kind of a, I can see a draw. I feel good about the Toronto one, just because Toronto is just as inconsistent. And they're very much a good attacking team, but they're not a good defending team. That's where I think if Ford Madison can get, if they can finally convert some of these chances, they can really do something impressive. But I mean, Nor- Toronto C2 can score. So it's, I think it's going to be a question of can Ford Madison's new back three contain some of their attackers? Um, I feel good about it. But yeah, I think this is a, I think four points is probable. And if Ford Madison can take advantage of that, they can really go into, the month of september i mean you get north carolina i feel like that should be a win other than richmond every other team seems to be doing well against north carolina you got two games back to back against richmond then you got toronto again and then you got greenville at home and i mean this isn't the same greenville as last year so and then two games with revs too like you can really go on a run and i've said i on walking 90 if one team goes on a run they can really separate themselves from Pack. That's why Omaha and Chattanooga have been able to get as far ahead as they have. They haven't lost. They just don't lose games. They might drop points that they shouldn't, but they're not losing. And I think if Ford Madison can just keep the not losing, they've done pretty good at not losing games. It's just they've drawn more games than you would like. So I think they'll get four points. I think this is a good chance for them to get on a run and really start either catching up to Omaha and Chattanooga or pulling away from the rest of the playoff contenders. Yeah. I mean, so
0: if you look at um, one of the interesting things about Toronto FC is they, they score their sixth overall 1.3 goals per game versus Madison's 1.2. One of the interesting things is they've, they've only had one clean sheet. So they have a hard time, you know, keeping, keeping you out as it, as it were. Um, you know, on the road, obviously a slightly different team though. They did win that big four two match against North Carolina. Um, you know, so Wednesday night, I think really we need three points if we want to, uh, you know, there was some of the, uh, if you remember from 2019, the late playoff run, don't let the boys get hot from our good friend, K dog started that one. Uh, and he's, he's preaching that again here. Um, if the boys want to get hot, uh doing it against our quote unquote neighbors from the north would be a good time to do that you know when uh, one of the interesting things Kyle and and this is neither here nor there uh when you look at uh uh you know our matches where we go on the road, I think Toronto may be our closest away game um I think it may be even closer than than omaha and i'm now
1: uh is it? I feel. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. It's also one of those where hopefully our players get vax and visas get cleared because that I think is going to be – we don't – because I think if they play – they still have to play in Toronto. That game is going to have me a little nervous because as we're seeing now, if you don't – if you're not vaccinated, you can't get in. And depending on visa issues, you might not get in. So, you know, how many of these players – especially with guys like Josiah or Jira or Pato, like will their visas get the okay – or Carlos Gomez, like, are their visas going to get the, okay, how we, like, they might go in shorthand, and that's going to be a concern with Toronto eventually when they play them on the road, but I don't know. I feel like it's probably, I feel like Omaha would be Omaha
0: is closer. Omaha is 426 miles. Okay. Toronto is 669 miles. It's a 10-hour drive. Um, But, you know, what you forget is, like, it's kind of, you know, just, it's not that far over the border once, you know, once you get into Canada, uh, you know, you're, you're closer. It's not that far. Um, so, but th- this is, is, you know, I, I can't wait for Fort Wayne to join the league, because uh, mm-hmm. that'll be another shorter road trip and, uh, you know, improve the, the overall fan experience for USL league one. But, um, yeah, there, I think the visa questions that come up there, um, all of the, you know, COVID is, is, uh, Still having an effect on international soccer. I don't know if you saw as well um, some of the the things that the Premier League had put in to uh, ease transitions back and forth, um, particularly for uh, players playing for Brazil have now uh, gone out the window. So it could co- cause some problems for. So um, you know, and and something to 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 kind of keep in the back of your mind with with the situation in in Toronto for FC two. If you know uh, that that you know becomes an issue again, um, is Toronto? Are they playing at home? Home?
1: Yep, they just started a couple weeks ago. So their first game was Greenville. Ironically, the only game they've had a clean sheet, and then they beat Richmond. So the last two home games they've had, they've gotten points.
0: Um, what's going on with Richmond? The the wheels seem to be falling off in Richmond.
1: Oh boy, uh, Richmond is. I feel like it's either they can't defend I've, what did Yogi said something about it and I got to remember what it was.
0: I'm sure Yogi uh, uh, of the River City 93 podcast and the Walk and 90 podcast with you is handling this calmly and is not
1: at all overreacting. Depends on when you ask him. <laughs> <laughs> Depending <laughs> on when you ask, you know, if he has some time to sleep on it, it's better. He in the moment?
0: <laughs> Maybe
1: not so much. If
0: he takes some sort of uh, nerve
1: suppressant, he's okay. Um, yeah, like sometimes he's wondering, do I actually want to watch the highlights? But no, he Richmond, he said they're good one-on-one and especially in team attacking. And then they seem to allow a goal either by a really great wonder strike or the defense suddenly just stops, just comes out of nowhere. And it's definitely, and it seems like they're not, they cannot go a full 90 minutes without having some kind of screw up and then have it. It seems like it's more of a mental concentration situation.
0: Um, we have mouthful. that problem on this podcast. We have a hard time going the full forty-five minutes, especially as we didn't have podcasts. Uh, so last week, we, you know, I got back from Germany, but there was no match. It was an abandoned match. Uh, could we, should we have done like one and a half talking points and abandoned uh, like no. two, the podcast <laughs> two, two-thirds of the way through? I don't know. Um, I, uh, you know, and then uh, the week before I was in Germany, and the week before that I had no voice. So
1: well, we the we, week before, while you were in germany i was flying back from texas um so i didn't get home until 6 30 7 o'clock at night
0: <laughs> yeah and we still don't know dan if you're somewhere in america please
1: let us know even uh, if you're international just yeah you know just get send some us, wi-fi get some Wi-Fi. just let uh, us know
0: send us a, a telegram a uh, little morse code we'll accept that a little telegram carrier pigeon yeah um any anything you'd like dan let us know you're okay that you're safe um that that you're still you know with us um and and you know until next time we say forwards not backwards upwards not forwards and always twirling 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 towards freedom